Come on around back Arizona Saturday morning, 8 o'clock, the outdoor living hour here at Rosie on the House. Your Saturday morning tradition since 1988. And if you're following along in your Rosie on the House homeowner handbook, calendar and referral directory that we publish every year, you know this Saturday we're talking living gifts and we've got Jay Harper in studio with us. And it is a fun topic because it's the, there, there really isn't a limit to what you could gift from a nursery. No, you can you you can get very creative, and you can do it on a about any budget you want. I mean, literally from a couple packs of seed, spending less than five or ten dollars, uh, to you know being as extravagant, you know, obviously as you'd like. So, um, you know, one of my favorite things to do if you're going to go to a nursery or garden center, and it. You know, if you have a, a school teacher or somebody, uh, you know, the house cleaner or somebody, you know, you don't want to spend fifty or a hundred dollars. Go in, get a um, a clay pot, and then use that as your little gift basket. And in it, put a, maybe a, a a little pair of gloves, a couple packs of seed, uh, maybe a garden trowel, uh, and then you know, put some pretty paper around it rift you know you for 10 or 15 bucks you've got a very unique uh gift that anybody that does a little gardening uh would certainly enjoy and and even if they don't do gardening i mean it's something that is going to be remembered and kept around i mean what would you get for christmas last year yeah or you don't remember three days later (laughs) yeah no yeah um, so yeah, you, there's a, and and most nurseries and garden centers now also carry a lot of gift type items that that make good gifts. And then of course there's there are you know plants you could give. You know I've seen some really pretty Christmas cactus in the in the nurseries this year. Uh, obviously poinsettias uh, are a big one. But the nice thing about Christmas cactus is they're they'll live for years and years and years and years. Um, they can be generational, in fact. I know several people that have their grandmother, grandmother's Christmas cactus uh, still still with them and still living and doing well. So lots of, lots of cool opportunities. Obviously, there's gift cards. If it's a, somebody that's really an avid gardener and you really don't know what to give them, they've got everything, get them a gift card. Um, I know... Some people poo-poo gift cards. I I love getting gift cards, <laughs> and I get what I want. <laughs> you just have to remember to use it because I think so, there's something ridiculous like the oh, yeah. billions of dollars. Oh yeah, and gift cards that never get used. They 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 do, and that has prompted a lot of uh, merchants to then incentivize buying gift cards. So a lot of times you can buy, let's say you buy a $100 gift card and they'll give you an extra $20 or $25 or an extra gift card because they know that in a lot of cases they're never going to get used. But it's a, if you are going to use them, it's a really good deal because you can get an extra bang for your buck. And on the Christmas cactus and being generational, what there there could be other things aside from a – you don't need a lot of space for a Christmas cactus Correct. one. And you were talking a little – I mean, it, it could be something on a windowsill. Correct, yes. How big could you get a Christmas cactus, though, if you wanted something that was a little bit uh, more of a – Well, I've seen some this year that are in like a hanging basket, so it's about a 10-inch 
wide pot and they're hanging out over the edge of that. So they may be 18 inches wide and 10 or 12 inches deep. They're beautiful, absolutely gorgeous. And they don't get a whole lot bigger than that. I've seen some that were maybe 20 to 25 inches across and 15 or 20 inches tall in a great big pot. Um, What's the best place to put those, Jay? You know, filtered sunshade, not not direct sun. Uh, they are a little bit touchy to cold, so make sure it's, you know, here in the valley, you don't have to worry too much about that. But um, on a patio that doesn't get hot afternoon sun, uh, in a brightly lit entryway inside the house or somewhere in a window that's pretty brightly lit, again, that doesn't get direct sun through it, uh, you know, late in the afternoon. But the good bright light, though. Um, without the extremes of the really hot uh, afternoon summer sun or being cold uh, is the best place to put it. Is is there a trick to getting it to bloom every year? Well, if you want it to bloom like at a certain time, you can force them. You can, you know, you can kind of rest them, quit watering them, put them in the dark for a while, and then take them out and do that. Otherwise, typically they will bloom on their own at some point, and it's usually later than Christmas. It's sometime, uh, you know, closer to maybe Easter or in the springtime. Um, but uh, it, you know, so if you want to be tricky and make sure they bloom in the in the winter time, you've got to maybe in the late summer or fall do a little manipulating to them. But uh, otherwise, they they'll bloom, and the blooms last a long time. I mean, they'll last for months um, in most cases, and Dude. lots of different colors. Did we just name it wrong? Should it be an Easter cactus? Well, they do sell them at Easter time and call them that. (laughs) And they're not a cactus. They're a succulent. So they they will freeze uh, if it gets too cold. So, yeah, be careful that way. If you live someplace cold, uh, they make a great indoor plant for people in colder climates if if they've got good, brightly lit room. And like you're saying, don't need a lot of space. It could be as small as something you can hold in your hand. The bigger ones yeah. get up to 18. But And even generational, something that's been around 40, 50 years, it's still that well, small they'll, and they'll, succulent They'll size. kind of just adapt to the size container they're in. They don't seem to get overly worried about being too root-bound or in too small a container. They just kind of uh, survive that way. So, yeah. So there's an indoor plant idea. I've always loved the idea of planting your own Christmas tree. And we've got pines that do very well in the desert. Yeah, there was an article in the paper a couple weeks ago. Uh, Richard Adkins, who's uh, city of Tempe arborist, was talking about there's been some issues with some of the old Aleppo pines around, you know, getting a blight and uh, different things. I who knows? But he he said most of these were probably planted. They were a living Christmas tree that somebody donated to the school or the park or whatever. And when we were kids growing up, you know, my mom and dad would have a well, my mom would have her own tree <laughs> that was a that was a that was a flocked uh, noble fir with all her. Uh, you know, fancy decorations and everything on it. We weren't allowed to touch that tree. And then we'd have our, our kids' tree, our family tree, <laughs> and my dad would bring home a, a an Aleppo pine. At those days, it was Aleppo's, and then they've switched to Eldericas now. And then we would donate it to the to Tonalia Grade School. And uh, 
So there was, I don't, I've torn that school down now and like all the trees that were there are gone. But uh, so that, that was kind of a fun thing to go back years later and go, yeah, that was our, our Christmas tree. Our Christmas time. tree at one time. And you, like you said, the uh, Aleppo's are really hard to find. I, I don't even, everything's gone over to the Afghan and you had another word for it. Elderica, Afghan. Yeah. Well, the Aleppo's get really big, probably bigger than most residential lots can accommodate anymore and they and they lose their christmas tree shape they tend to flatten out and get big and spready uh and they get they get quite large where the elderica or afghan or goldwater or you know all the names we have for the stay much more conical much more christmas tree shape don't get quite as as spready and wide and you could put Christmas lights on it. So, you know, 60-year-old Afghan pine, that'd, that'd be pretty hard to string that tree with lights. <laughs> maybe, maybe just wrap the trunk <laughs> as had, high as you can we reach. Had, <laughs> we had a tree at home. Uh, it was a living Christmas tree, and we decorated it. And then for years, and, and just long story short, at the, when when I think my parents moved out of that house, there was still a strand of Christmas tree lights. Way up, top. Way up at the top. <laughs> that we never could get out or... Or uh, ever could light again, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. When the guy that developed that lot cut that tree down and found those what that is string this? of wire in there, <laughs> what's the story behind yeah, that? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and could you? So in in that case, I mean, could you ever set the lights in a tree where you didn't have to bring them up and take them down? I know you couldn't wrap the trunk. Because it's got to expand in sort of the branches. Yeah, as long but- as you had it out on the limbs, laying loosely around the limbs and didn't have it where it could girdle something sure i mean you and you can't if you have green green wire or green cord that the lights are on you really wouldn't see it you know so yeah you could leave it in there they just have to a string you just have to keep adding as the tree grows up you just have to keep adding strands of lights um, and they just need to. But once they a, burn out, you're in trouble. That's what I was going to say. They need to invent a strand of light that lasts more than two years. Yeah. <laughs> Good old C9s, the great big regular old uh, light uh, bulbs last typically a long, long time. But the little, the little twinkle lights or whatever, you know, I, I'm almost to the point now where I just buy new ones every, every year. year and try and get them to last. <laughs> that's the first thing we do. Plug them in. Which ones don't work? All right. Chunk those. Throw it away. Here's what we don't have even to try work and with. find. I know they send uh, you a little extra, but it's like, I don't. That that's you know, for they're four ninety nine a box of a hundred or whatever. <laughs> and every time I seem to break them more, like pulling them out, than they actually come out. You know, the glass shatters or they crack, crack the plastic. Yeah, yeah, pain in the neck. All right. It is uh, Living Gift was what we're covering this morning, but we'll talk about anything you want to talk about, about your landscape or garden. You can join the conversation at one 767 That's 1-888-ROSIE for you. Text questions can also be sent to 411-923, or you can email us at info at rosieonthehouse.com. Sure doesn't feel like we're only five days away from winter. It's going to feel like it's about the middle of next week, though. It looks like it, uh, I haven't looked ahead. Is it supposed to finally drop? I, I think Christmas Eve, fifty-eight for the high or sixty for the high, and pretty a pretty good, good, chance, pretty of good rain chance of rain too. Yeah, like Wednesday on next week. So 
we're going to we're going to we're going to get christmas weather the mornings have felt like it but yeah it's uh, i was in uh down by wilcox thursday and it was 17 in some Ooh. places down there thursday morning so it's definitely winter in some places but yeah gonna get winter we're gonna bring hector into the conversation calling in from santan valley he wants to talk about his fruit trees one triple eight seven six seven four three four eight that's one triple eight rosie for you good morning hector how can we help you Good morning. Good morning. Um, yes, I have a, a lemon tree that's about uh, two years old and a lime tree that's about a year old that I planted. And I have searched the uh, the web. I've searched everywhere to try to figure out how to prune these correctly as they're young, as they're growing. And I can't find anywhere where I can actually get some good reference on how to do them correctly without killing them or having them grow into monsters. They're both dwarf trees, by the way, if that helps. Well, that that's a great question, and, and we see citrus pruning done kind of poorly. You really don't need to prune citrus. I mean, as opposed to deciduous fruit trees like peaches, apricots, plums that kind of need to be pruned and thinned out and opened up, and pruning will uh, enhance the the fruit production. Citrus are, are really just kind of a big bush, and especially with dwarfs, just shape them is all you need to do. Um, you know, just start, if you want to control the size of them a little more than the fact that they're just dwarf anyway, um, you know, start early, don't let them get big and then try and reduce the size. Cause that, that can cause some problems. Um, but shoot, all you got to do is just start, you know, you keep them even, keep them kind of, and you can do that kind of pruning just about any time. Um, you know, you want to watch your fruit production and, you know, if you're cutting off blossoms, I usually like to wait until you've picked the fruit. Um, so sometime in before they bloom, after you've picked the fruit kind of timing. But uh, if you're just shaping them, you can really kind of almost do that anytime. And as warm as that's been, and he said he's got lemon, you know, he probably still has fruit on the tree. <laughs> if, you know, well, lemon, yeah, tree, but... lemons probably, yeah, are not even even coloring up citrus because it's been so warm this fall the citrus fruits are really late coloring up so cold weather is what sets the color doesn't mean they're not ripe um, has nothing to do with that but the color uh, is not i usually give some fruit away to customers and i'm having a hard time making them look really good because they're not <laughs> completely colored up uh, but they're just fine for they're eating. They're fine. Yeah, they they taste fine, but uh, they're not as pretty as you'd like them to be. And one thing, Hector, on citrus, the older branches is what creates. You know, a, a, the the fresh growth, the new sprouts don't create. It takes what two three years before. Yeah, they produce on older older growth. So yeah. don't if, if you want fruit production, make sure you're not cutting off all the old growth. Well, and and that's. That would be – you definitely don't want to prune citrus that way. Anyway, typically, really, we shape citrus trees when we prune them, even commercially. You know, after they've harvested, they'll go down and just kind of hedge them cut, so they can get – the pickers can get in and out of the rows. And they'll top them so they don't get so tall they can have a hard time getting up and getting the fruit. But uh, – so just just shape it. Don't right? – my, my rule of pruning is when in doubt, don't. <laughs> <laughs> so you're doing more harm than good typically if you don't know what you're doing but just give them a little shape 
uh, especially on dwarf citrus. That's that's really the reason you planted a dwarf, so you didn't have to prune it much, so that it fit in the right spot. You know, a tighter area, smaller area. So yeah, you you'll be fine. You had mentioned Richard Atkins in the last segment, and one of the things that he's said on the program when he's been in studios, when it comes to citrus, he only trims off deadwood and anything that touches the ground. Otherwise, there leave it go. alone. That, that's a great rule of thumb. Yeah, you can go in and cut the, you know, big old citrus trees will have a lot of dead stuff inside because it's gotten, there's no light or anything that can get in there and some of that stuff, you know, and it's just unsightly. It doesn't really do any harm. Makes it a little harder to pick some of the fruit on the inside if there's some dead twigs in there. I like that rule. If it's touching the touching the house or touching the wall or touching the ground, you know, cut it back a little bit. Yeah. And somebody new to Arizona, it's not nearly as common as it used to be. But when you drive through an area that used to be a orange grove, you know, you see the white trunks there. That's not really decoration. That's people. You know, we we trim it up to make it decorative, but then now it can't. Yeah. So remember, they're a, they're a bush. They don't have bark, basically, or a protective bark. So if you prune them and expose that trunk to sunlight, you got to protect it. And people it, would it was people tree would, sunscreen. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now, so people would move into a citrus orchard and they develop it. Of course, we you know the orchard does what like Rich. You you let it grow clear to the ground. You just kind of trim it if it's touching the ground. So you let them grow all the way down to the ground. Well, once if we want that in our front yard, we, we want to have a yard. We want to be able to see the house. We we skirt them up, we prune them up, and then we have to protect and paint those. So, and white was I don't know if, if why that became standard, but they do make paint now specifically for citrus trees that are yeah is bark color. Yeah, go natural tree paint is a pigmented tree paint that's safe to use on tree and don't go you know don't go to the paint store and buy you know house paint and paint your citrus <laughs> trees um the white i think the white started out because they buy white wall like a powdered when 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 i was a little guy starting in the nursery we sold boxes of whitewash and it was just white powder and you mixed it with water and you mixed it kind of light you didn't make it you just wanted enough to protect the trunk and then they developed a tree trunk white paint, and then we now we have the natural colored stuff. And you can use that natural colored stuff on anything that's got soft bark. It's not just citrus. Right, ficus, ash, any of the smooth bark stuff. Make our way up north, North Phoenix, and bring Rick into the conversation. We're all pretty curious, Rick. Uh, a maple tree in Phoenix? It's a maple tree. It's yeah, what? I think so. It's got big, really big leaves. It's a really big shade tree. Um, deciduous. Kind of white bark. Uh, Whitish lighter bark. bark. Yeah. I bet it's a sycamore. Yeah. We do have some okay. sycamores in central Phoenix, north, older parts of town um, that had big grassy yeah. lawns. Sure. That's exactly what it is. Yeah, okay. it has a big grassy lawn, and then it's got a big shade. And yeah. I'm wondering when it is to trim it back. I had it trimmed three years ago, four years ago, but I'm married now. And my wife, it's just that we use an arborist instead of just the landscaping people, and that's she's white. 
Yeah, I, she's probably right. Guy, she's right even that. if she's uh, not, I, right? <laughs> yeah, you are true on this. Yeah, you want to do it when they've lost all their leaves, when they're dormant. Okay. So here pretty quick. Fantastic. Yeah. We appreciate we appreciate the call. If you need a good arborist, we've got the Andy Young of Tree Amigos. He was just out working on y'all's property, uh, Rosie, a couple, a couple days ago. Um, great, great locally owned family business. And uh, but I will say, I, I called them and I got their voicemail a couple weeks ago, and they said they're booked into February. So, well, that'd be all right if you got it done by by middle or end of February. That still should be okay. Okay. Yeah. Any. On a deciduous tree, really, uh, any time they're the whole time they're dormant, you could trim. Correct. Them. Yeah, correct. Um, so yeah, but uh, you just you, and and I kind of took. I think one time I heard Rosie mention that the number one cause for male uh, a male <laughs> human to be intubated in the hospital was a ladder. Well, and so I've told my wife that now. So I've I've gotten out of getting up on the roof to hang Christmas lights. I'm trying to think of other things I don't have to do because it involves getting on a ladder. <laughs> so you don't want to get you don't want to be climbing trees uh, anyway. So this is true, but I will say uh, my Father's Day gift this year was uh, the first set. The, the starter kit for a good steel landscape, battery operated. Power oh, nice, line. nice. And it's got a weed eater. Yep. It's got that was the first thing, and then a trimmer for the lawn. Well, it's got a pull saw that yep. you can add to it, and it's actually got an extension to that as well. Man, I I could without even getting on a ladder, you could reach that thing almost twenty five feet in the air and just. Get anything you should get, and anything bigger than that, you call somebody to come do it. <laughs> <clears throat> but don't get on a ladder and do that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's a bad combination. And we just talked about a great Christmas gift idea, that steel battery. I've got the blower, the leaf blower, and I've got a hedge trimmer. And they say the chainsaw is fabulous. So the pole saw probably works really good, too. And steel makes a 12-foot uh, telescopic pole saw that I have. Uh, for trimming, so I could actually trim a canopy if I need to. Yeah, right there you out. go. Really nice. I've got like three batteries, and just boom, boom, boom. Yep, fabulous. And there's different lines. So like a battery will work. Yeah. Out, you know, this series of battery goes Correct. with this tool. And I went higher than I probably needed to, but the reason for that, this battery line, it actually has a concrete saw that it'll operate with. Oh, sure. And I've got some concrete projects coming up that I need to be able to cut CMUs with. So I'm like, all right, let's just go ahead and go upline. It was for Father's Day, but I got to pick it out. I think there are three. <laughs> if I remember right, there's there's a there's pretty lightweight, kind of just strictly a homeowner line. Then there's kind of a middle one, and then there's a professional mm-hmm. one. That middle one is what I have, and it's it, it's fine for anything I need to do. But yeah, if you're, if you're going to cut concrete block and whatever, you probably need to the bigger heavy duty or job. And I never thought I would go to battery, but I was thinking like I've had a cordless battery operated drill for 25 years. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Why not try these? And what I really like about it, my old weed eater, you know, it was two stroke. I don't have to worry about mixing the oil. I'm 25 minutes away from a gas station. So inevitably yeah. when I'm ready for the project, <clears throat> I got to go get some fresh gas, clean out the carburetor, get the two stroke oil mix, mix it up. And it, you know, it takes two hours to get started <laughs> on, on the project. Yeah, well, now yeah, you just yeah. 
And sometimes they won't start. <laughs> right. <laughs> Especially if they've sat for a long time. Then I got to go get the little sickle out and do it by hand. <laughs> yeah. No, the battery power. A friend of mine who's got sons that are firefighters now, the, even the big the big jaws of life things that they cut people out of cars with are, are battery, battery powered. You know, they, it, they're, they're great. It's, a, it's really a great, nice deal to have. I've never <clears> felt <throat> like I was missing power. No. Not at all. You just, depending on what you're doing, you've got to have more than one. Do yourself a favor. If you're going to buy these, buy at least one extra battery so that you've got one charged and going all the time. So if you're doing a big project, you will wear the batteries out. And they are slow charged. So if you're going to be working all day, you would need three or four to rotate. Cause, Perhaps, yeah. You know, you're not going to get a full charge in the amount of time you're going to drain the other one. But the amount of work it would take to do that. you you got to have some serious projects you're working on outside. True. But great Christmas gift idea. Yeah. And uh, on the idea of gifts for Christmas, uh, Jennifer had found a number of books. Yeah, I decided to jump over to Water, Use It Wisely to see if they had any gift ideas. And lo and behold, they have a whole list of fantastic books. I thought I'd run them by Jay and he can tell us anything he knows. So if you go to their website and go under their uh, gift-giving ideas, they list the books, Jay, by author. Okay. And so the first author they list is Greg Starr. Okay. The nice thing I like about this list is it gives you kind of a a paragraph about what type of writing you can expect and what kind of ideas. So he has, they have three of his listed, uh, kind of field guide format it looks like field guide to the cacti cool plants for hot gardens so kind of a technical book and then so are you familiar with that one i don't that know author? his books i know greg okay. uh greg's very well-known uh horticulturist in the desert southwest has discovered lots of plants brought a lot of plants he and ron gas brought a lot of plants back from the chihuahuan desert that we now cultivate as landscape shrubs that they found growing in their native habitat in desert so he's a he's he's a smart guy and he's tucson based nobody does desert well like tucson they they just have done a great job sticking with um local building into the landscape yeah out of necessity in the older yeah parts especially so and then scott calhoun of course okay yeah uh, he's yep. got about six books and two uh, three i'll highlight one is chasing wildflowers a mad search for wild gardens um I, I think i would love that look just all wildflowers and then the gardener's guide to cactus which is a great one you could give that book plus a cactus after you read it make sure you give them one that works <laughs> right yeah yeah um scott again local guy grew up Probably in Mesa, I've, I, his dad was a customer uh, of ours for years. They, they, their old family had the old family farm behind our Mesa location, had big citrus farm and stuff. So, yeah, he's he's good. And he has kind of a, a fun book called A Yard Full of Sun. It's about getting carried away with planting. I thought that one was. Uh, I've seen that one. Yes, it's very I whimsical. Have too. Yes. yes, that's yeah. a cool book. And then, of course, one of our favorites, Mary Irish. Uh, and, and we checked this morning to make sure um, she she has some books that were written a while yeah, back. Yeah, so Mary's and, unfortunately no longer with us. But yeah. her books, you can I, – I, I did the same thing. I just searched Mary Irish books on Google, and they come up. They're available a lot of different places, and she has, I don't know, eight or ten different 
titles that that all look good. So yeah, and all very specific, you know, planting guides. Yes, um, and then I just one kind of off topic a little bit would be Brad Lancaster of Tucson, and he teaches about rain harvesting. So if you have somebody you know who's who has that bent, who would really like to be able to save their water, those are great books he's got. And then and then there's just the good old Sunset Western Garden book. Um, and they actually list that at the very end, Jay, as the tried and true Southwest Gardening Classics, which after looking at all the locals, you would not think that they would list that. But you said the same thing, that it's just a great um, kind of a... Uh, yeah, and the nice thing about it is, though, if you live in Arizona, okay, well, we've got... You know, are you in northern Arizona, southern Arizona, 3,000 feet, 5,000 feet? It's, uh, the Western Garden Book is zoned. So every, every in the beginning of the book, there's a map, a climatic zone for the different states, depending on, you know, it's, it serves the whole southwest. Um, so you can find where you live and what zone you're in, and then all the plants will have the corresponding zone that they grow in. Um, so it's, you know, it's, it's cool, but it's, it's a little bit general, but it's a great tool for if you want to look up a plant or find a plant or find information on a plant. It's just kind of the old, every nursery or garden center would have those for sale, but they'd also have an old worn copy under the counter. Somebody come in and, you know, we'd get that out and show them and read about it. But, uh, and or finding out if something will grow here. Somebody can, especially with all the HGTV we watch now, mm-hmm. people see all kinds of pretty things. But, well, you know, you better find out if that really grows here or not. <laughs> well, so. that's kind of how we started here, right? Everybody moved here and yeah. tried their their plants, and then we end up with a lot of things that caused issues, uh, like olive trees and <laughs> things that make people sick. So. Um, so you can, yeah, it's a great, you probably should have it anyway as a general. And then if you want to get specific, these other ones we mentioned are very, very, very specific to, you know, kind of the Sonoran Desert, Chihuahuan Desert, Southwest. Can never go wrong with a good book with lots of pictures. That's true. That's true. And the, the Scott Calhoun one would make, almost make a coffee table book the yes the sun the one you mentioned mm-hmm. last it's very colorful yeah and of course we can't we have to give mention to the arizona plant lady uh, she also has a, a great book or two and i think she even has a website that you can visit i was not prepared for this conversation there's a landscape architect that had desert you know all the some just beautiful desert landscape architecturally i bet you could find that at the botanical gardens like picture uh, yeah just picture books of just beautiful desert mm-hmm, landscapes yeah give you ideas for how to plant them because that's half the battle too is where to put them and how to make them look pretty and well and, and they worked with a lighting specialist too so oh, a lot wow. of them were you know sunset or night pictures and just how the variety and the beauty that you can get out of out of desert landscape yeah and i believe uh AMWA uh, was developing a little, an interactive thing on their website would help you plan a landscape as well, where you could, I forget how it worked, but you could go on and pick plants and it would tell you best places to use them and that sort of thing. So you're picking the right kind of plant for the right place. Um, And because just because it grows here and does well here, you still got to put it in the right spot. And if you put an agave that gets six feet tall and eight or 10 feet across in a, in an entryway or up going up the 
walkway to your house, that doesn't work very well. Yeah, I was going through one of my feeds. Do you, do you get the almanac, the old farmer's almanac? Uh, not anymore. I use, we used to actually buy them and sell them at the nursery, but uh, I haven't seen one in years. I get their weekly email newsletter, and they had an article in there, the five Christmas plants. Uh, we Poinsettia was in there. We have kind oh, of covered that one. Yeah. Pretty obvious. The Christmas cactus they'd mentioned. <laughs> the fifth one, I was kind of disappointed they said a Christmas tree. I'm like, well... That kind of should be a given. You can't couldn't find anything other than that. You know what? Uh, though to stop you there, I saw there, and I've had them before and given them to as gifts before. Little Christmas trees that are sheared out of like rosemary or lavender mm. or something like that that you could actually then, you know, harvest your some herbs off of it or whatever. Those are kind of cool. So it doesn't idea. have to be a traditional Christmas tree to but, be a gift. The other two on there weren't ones I was familiar with. So amaryllis and cyclamen, you you showed. So amaryllis, uh, you've seen amaryllis. It's a bulb, and you plant it, and they typically, again, if you kind of like the Christmas cactus, if you force them or time them, they'll bloom it at Christmas time. But they get a great big, big long stalk, and then typically there's four buds that form uh, symmetrically around the. So they're facing the four directions of the compass, a great big uh, trumpet-shaped flower in different colors, reds and whites and pinks, and I almost bet you see them. But the thing that's cool about amaryllis is whether you leave them in a pot or you plant them in the ground is they naturalize here very well and do very well here. Now, they'll bloom more in the spring, kind of like a Christmas cactus if you don't do it, but... If you've got like afternoon shade or a semi-shaded filtered sun area, uh, they're an awesome plant for here. And the and you get a bed of those and they start blooming, holy cow, it's it's spectacular. Now the ones that are bedded outside, you couldn't really do anything to manipulate their bloom. Time. Pretty hard, but you could do it as a potted plant inside and force them to bloom. Yeah, you rest, you you know, in the in the late summer, early fall, you take them and. You know, put them. Usually, we tell you know, cut all the leaves off of them, put them in the dark for thirty days or forty-five days, and then bring them back out and start, you know, watering them again. And and they'll they'll kind of time it that way. And it's not really forced. It's just trying to you're you're tricking it to think. It's, it's just at a call it time of the year. technical <laughs> term is forcing. You know, that's right. And so they do great here. What about the other one? Uh, cyclamen. Cyclamen. Cyclamen are are really they love cool dark places. So if you've got a uh, in the wintertime, a flower bed or a patio that's kind of dark and shady. And they're spectacular. They come in all different colors. They're a great bedding flower uh, or a potted plant for uh, cooler, darker, shadier areas. And I have seen those where they will come back. Uh, they kind of have a little tuber as well. But you, typically, once it gets hot, uh, those tubers tend to rot in most cases. But... Uh, you might be surprised. It, it might come back. But it's a wonderful, uh, spectacular-looking potted plant uh, or, or a bedded plant in, in shadier areas. So great gift. Any plant's a great gift, but these are, are kind of winter-flowering 
uh, plants that do good. Good holiday color theme. And, and a lot of a lot of places will sell amaryllis in a box, like a gift, where they're you know the bulb is in a pot, and then they've put it in a box. So you could give them to somebody as a gift, you know, and and wrap it or put a bow, put a bow on. It, excuse me. And cyclamen, amaryllis, a regular nursery would have absolutely. Those? Okay. Oh yeah. Very cool. The other one they, I'm surprised they didn't mention bringing that up, are are paper white narcissus. So narcissus are like a daffodil, a little tiny daffodil, and they're very fragrant. And you can put, just you put them right. You know, cheek to gel in a pot. So bulb touching bulb touching bulb. Kind of put them in a shallow pot with some decorative rock on top. Uh, they don't even really need any soil. Uh, and they'll typically come up and bloom, you know, about this time of year and super fragrant. And again, they do very well naturalized here in the ground in a bed. Quick question for you over text, Stan. Thanks for putting your name in the text. Do you recommend the use of frost cloths? Frost cloth on a three-year-old yellow bell and orange jubilee. No, they'll, they'll just frost back, or, or uh, you know, if, if they if they freeze, they'll f- very lightly. You'll just need to prune them. It'll force you to probably spring prune them anyway. But they're not that sensitive. I've got a cousin that lives in Albuquerque that has, you know, some orange bells, yellow bells, uh, and they don't they they survive there. So. I, I wouldn't worry too much about those. And he also asked about a greasewood bush. Does he mean creosote? Creosote, I would assume. Um, they certainly don't need any frost protection. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> about as tough and tough as you can get. <laughs> we appreciate the question. Hope that answered it. Jay, Jay Harper, uh, you know, no, we will have one more broadcast before Christmas. So, All right. Well, Merry Christmas anyway. <laughs> Merry Christmas anyway. <laughs>